0: Mike, did I lose audio? I lost audio. mm Can you hear us still? If you're doing that to make me feel better, James, like, I <laughs> really appreciate it. Like, what do you mean, no? Yeah, no, just, just say, yeah, Scott, I'm doing this for you. Like, this is, because it does, um, it, the justification, it just makes me feel better, and I really appreciate it.
1: It's obviously uh, a
0: rough day for me, and I didn't mm-hmm. even know it
1: that's terrible
0: this is a me thing and i'm dragging you all in
1: we're talking today about the seven deadly sins so that's I right th- we talked about writing an article you know everything you learned can you summarize all of the seven deadly sins in a short synopsis just to kind of whet our audience appetite and while sure. you're thinking i'm gonna give a quick little intro okay all right we're recording
0: With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to The Selling Podcast. We welcome you back to the Pure Muir Podcast. (laughs) Our host today, James Muir. Our special guests today include Mike Williams and Scott Schlaffman, which will turn into a self-help session for them. You might recognize Scott and Mike from The Selling Podcast. They are amazing podcasters. Their content is spot on. Their audience uh-huh. is amazing. Uh-huh. But today, we turn it all over to James for his
1: 18th <laughs> performance.
2: I don't know. I, yeah, I'm a regular. I'm like, once a quarter, I end up on your show, right? How many Is this our fourth one? How many have we fourth. done so far? It's
1: fourth right. one. I look back, though. It was, it's been a long time since we've had you on, James.
2: As it, it seems like, I mean, you, anyway, it just seems like we were just talking the other day. So, yeah. yeah. It's... We we have chemistry. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> have, I like that. I find like find that. out
0: find out more about James Muir. You can go to Pure puremuir, p u r e m u i r dot com. A bunch of information. If you haven't read the book, well, then turn off the podcast immediately and just go pick up the book. Just go <laughs> Audibles. Just listen to it. Dump us for him. Go for it.
2: I think we're going to talk about what's in the special report on the downloads page, which they can get for free. So if oh, you like what you're better. if, if, if they like what they're about to hear, they can go get all the, the, they can read about the details for nothing. Right. So well, then
0: don't turn off the podcast and stick on just a little <laughs> bit. <longer>. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
2: Well, let's see here. What do we, I'm, you want me to summarize these, uh, these seven deadly sins, so to speak? Um, I, what I would maybe frame this up with is to say if if you, you know, most people, when they're new to sales, they're like, oh, I, I need to, I have this challenge. I'm going to go out on the internet and I'm going to search for something and they're going to get the answer to that. And I think we talked about this <laughs> on one of the other episodes we talked about, but when, when you ask about closing, literally like 99%, close to 99% of what you're going to get is actually really bad information that just keeps recirculating out there. I mean, science has been done, the studies have been done, and we know what works and we, we know what doesn't work when it comes to closing, especially and but you'll still find people pushing all different kinds of uh um all different kinds of tactics that were developed you know almost eighty years ago and yet they keep circulating around and so you've Why got you sort that? of the why
1: is that, James? What do you I think, think it's right?
2: the the blinds leading the blind here, right? Is somebody you know needs to come up with an article, or they need to come up with an idea. They can't come up with anything, so they go look at the past and they try some tactic that used to work, you know, in the nineteen forties, but doesn't will, will will not work today because people's EQ and what they expect out of their sales experiences is so much different.
1: Well, the environment's so different too. To your, to your For, point, you're going to Google the answers.
2: Yeah, let me, the, the biggest difference I would say between now and, you know, maybe the 1940s is just that um, the customer has so much more knowledge about what's actually going on. Uh, and so back in the old days, there's a, a sort of an asymmetry of information, right? You, the, the customer would have very little information and the salesperson would have all the information. And so it's very possible for the salesperson to take advantage of of the buyer because they have all the cards. Right. Right. And so I think that's why people in general have traditionally not trusted salespeople is because sometimes salespeople would unscrupulously take advantage of the customer. Right. they by the time they find out, it'll be too late. I'll be gone and I'll have their money type of a thing. And so that's why you get, you know, buyer beware, right? Caveat emptor, but we don't live in that world anymore. Uh, it's, it's super common that the buyer actually knows more about the seller, about the, like uh, t- take a typical car. Right. The, the customer could have 10 times the information that the the actual seller has when it comes to buying a car, literally down mm-hmm. to the specific car, the VIN number, its history, <laughs> everything. I mean, they, they could be so much more educated than the seller on the product that there's really no asymmetry of information. So I would just say you know, the, the thing that has given salespeople a bad reputation over the years is basically doesn't exist anymore, is that now the the buyer is uh, is just looking for someone to help facilitate their, their purchasing process, either some decision-making or maybe even just a, a buying if they've already made all the decisions before they got there. So that's all very, very different. But you've got people that, you know, they're trying, hey, I need, you know, this group of people wants to learn about closing or that's a hot topic, so I'm going to write an article about it or whatever their motive is for doing it. And then they, they don't really know because they're not practitioners, right? And um, And so they they go out there and they dig this stuff up from history thinking it works and, and times have changed. It just, just doesn't work. And the good news is uh, we'll, we're going to dispel at least the biggest seven, um, I think, on this show. Um, but uh, if, I, if I had to just summarize them, uh, the first one is just that these closing techniques even work. Uh, that's the myth, is that they think it's going to work when it really won't work. Um, the second one you recognize from Alec Baldwin which is always, always be closing. Right. If we just always if we keep asking over and over and over again, it will eventually work. Um, probably one of the bigger insights I think that uh, science has proven out is that these closing gambits, the, the myth is that they work on both large and small sales. Right. They're the same. And uh, the answer to that one is they, they kind of do work when the sale is really small. But when you go to a larger sale, they, it becomes uh, counterproductive. It actually hurt your, your sales.
1: It does make you nice and annoying to the customer.
2: Oh my gosh! You have no idea, and and, and and that's and that's actually myth number four, which is that closing gambits show you want the business, right? That the customer wants to see that you want the business and that you're working for it. So you're going to prove that you want the business by insulting them with a closing gambit, right? That's the that's the, that's the theory here, right? And so uh, anyway, um, so that's and that's uh, what you just said is that people don't like getting insulted and they don't trust you after you try it, right? And uh, and so I'll, I'll share data on that here in just a second. Uh, the fifth one is that customers are actually happier after making a decision, okay? That's the theory. And um, we'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but it's actually super well studied. And I think whoever created this myth um, is trying to justify using whatever manipulative technique they can in order to get the deal closed because the customer's have to be happier afterwards, right? But the truth right. is, they are not happier afterwards and customers do not like making decisions under duress. So um, you're actually, it's, it's, it it might make for great rationalization, but in reality it's totally counterproductive. So pressuring customers into buying is not for their own good. Okay. Um, The one that I fell for the most is that the cell will close itself, right? You actually don't want to (laughs) change, change. It doesn't my world. So, yeah. And I can tell you a funny story if you want, if we have time, I'll tell you a really funny story about how I learned that the hard way. And I had a very, thankfully I had a very nice customer that was that, that helped me come to realization that I, I needed to actually ask them. If I, <laughs> if, if, if All I, right, I like business. It. You got to tell the story now. I'm, I'm okay. Intrigued. And then the last one is that salespeople are afraid of asking for commitment and, uh, and we can mm-hmm. dovetail that into some motivation stuff, but basically, uh, People aren't really so much afraid of asking for commitments as they are. So they don't want to ruin the relationship with the customer. That's what they're really afraid of. So yep. that's that's the seven in a nutshell. And we can, if you'd like, we can deal, drill down on all of those and talk a little bit about the science and um, what what the reality is of those. But if you if if you're, if you're if you have fallen for any one of these, they can seriously undermine your closing efforts. Uh, because uh, like me, um, where I thought, oh, a customer will just tell me and they'll close me. And that can happen, by the way, but it's, uh, it, what the data shows is that um, you need to make at least one attempt <laughs> in, order to, in order to close business. You'll, you'll find it, your results will be insanely better anyway.
0: James, I love the feeling of just asking, and once again, after reading your book, this is totally wrong. So just know from the get-go, this is wrong. I love, though, asking for somebody's business and saying, hey, do you want this yes or no? And them coming in saying, yes, and we sign on the contract, we walk away, everybody's happy, and it's all done within 10 minutes. That's spectacular. Like, I love that feel. Um, and after I sold pest control door to door, I thought, boom, this is how sales is. And then I realized that sales becomes a whole lot more complex, and there's a lot more into it, and that whole, do you want it, yes or no, sign this contract right here on your doorstep. That's, that's not how normal sales goes.
2: Well, so, uh, but you've hit on an important distinction, which is that really different sales are different, right? So large complex B2B sales, they run a little different. They there's different psychology involved. There's different process involved. And then in a, in a, in a sale where it all happens in one encounter, right? Like a door to door, like you described. Transactional. Yes. They have to be, they have to be structured in a certain way. And they tend to be more direct because they only have one shot at it. They know they're not mm-hmm. going to get. And so if you actually do a little, like I, I have every book on closing you can imagine, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you've written one. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> um, and I, if someday I'll put up a big wall of shame that has all of these ridiculous closes on them. But if you. If you Just if don't if you put deal, my name next to it, please. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, if you, if you go back in history and you look at um, uh, all these different closes, literally the most dysfunctional sales, uh, closing techniques, by far, all come from the timeshare industry, because what you've got is a really big item that they're trying to sell in one sitting, in one sitting. And so you wouldn't, I mean, some of the stuff is just absolutely outrageous that they'll do uh, to try to get these customers to purchase the, You know, a very large, make a large purchase in a single encounter. Right. And so, um, but that kind of almost ties right back into that, You know, do, do closing gamuts work on large and small sales. And the answer to that question is no. And I don't, I don't mean necessarily mean to take these out of order, but, um, there's a guy named Neil Rackham and, mm-hmm. uh, Neil Rackham, uh, he wrote a book called spin selling. He actually worked for, um, Xerox and he created their training program. And you'll find that if you go back in history, you'll find many of your best uh, sales trainers today or, or in, you know, in the in the past 50 years all actually kind of came out of the Xerox era where they were exploring this, this, this different way of selling. And, uh, a lot of that is attributable to the work and the research that, you know, Rackham did. So, um, he, he explored a lot of things, uh, and I draw a lot of, um, information from the research that he did back in the 80s and then you can read about some of that in spin selling there's also an appendix in the back that has that but uh it was at the time the largest face-to-face sales study ever conducted it had over 35,000 face face-to-face sales interactions and we learned a ton of stuff um but one of those things uh is is uh well we, we actually what we should since this builds a little bit on on the other two, we should really start with the other two. And then, let's and then all right, let's hey, yeah. James,
0: it's your podcast. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the host.
2: Well, just, just try to make it coherent for our <laughs> listeners, right? <laughs> so, well, um, yeah, some people call them techniques. I call them gambits because they're usually manipulative. But the premise behind using them all is that they actually work. And so Neil Rackham actually tested this, right? Uh, Like, did you, do you have a favorable attitude towards using the like, you know, closing techniques like the alternate choice close or the, you know the impending event close, or there's all these different closes out there. And what it turned out was the people that had the most favorable uh, attitudes towards closing techniques actually performed 21% worse than the people that didn't trust them. Okay. (laughs) And then, and then, and this is even funnier in my opinion, he went on to test, they, they taught the people the techniques anyway. And then they just did the sales go over, did the sales go down? And after they taught them the, the techniques, all the sales on average went down 15%. That's so, incredible. So they were, and it's it's fascinating to read about this uh, in the book because he's talking about questioning and all that kind of stuff in, in that um, spin selling. But um, so the fact of this myth is that closing gamuts are actually negatively correlated to sales success, somewhere around the 15% range. You'll actually sell 15% less if you're using these techniques um the next one that they tested was this always be closing and everybody knows this because of uh glengarry Glenn ross right always uh uh, and alec baldwin's classic scene uh in it right uh the third place is steak knives and last place is you you don't have a job right so um and that's where coffee coffees for closers comes from that too Mm -hmm. i think yeah -hmm. anyway um Probably the worst
1: sales advice ever given, I think. It really is
2: very bad. It is very bad. And so um, sometimes you also hear this axiom as like uh, close early and often. Sometimes you hear that. Um, But as it turns out, it's been tested. And beyond the first attempt to ask them for any kind of a commitment, there's a negative correlation between closing frequency, that is the number of times you ask, and call success. Okay. And so when Neil Rackham did this, he measured that they, they, you know, they asked him to ask multiple times and they, they tracked the success rate between what he called high close calls where they were actually uh, on average, it was close to six attempts per meeting, right. To try to close. And they had a success rate of 37% and low close calls, which averaged one had a close rate of 70%. Okay. So, increasing close attempts actually proved to be 33% less effective than just asking
1: once. Okay. When was all this research was done in the early eighties, right?
2: It was, yeah, like uh, you're looking at probably 85, uh, you know, probably somewhere between 83 and, and 88, probably the, is when most of that research was done. Yeah. So James, we've known it for I'm a long time, time right? But, and, but yeah. yet we, we still think this is a real thing, right?
0: James, I'm just doing some quick math, 33% less effective, Closing techniques work. Those that actually did those gambits, 15% decrease in sales. By just listening to this podcast, we're going to increase your sales by 48%. If that doesn't happen, <laughs> you reach out. You can find James Muir on LinkedIn. Yes, that's right. And, 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 we're right, not so even we're, done
2: yet. We're not we're, even done yet. If we start multiplying number together. Two. We're, yeah, we're going to be doing way better than that. By the but.
0: end of this, we're going to increase your sales by 500%.
2: Yeah, I think that the takeaway on this particular myth is that your gut instinct to not badger the customer is telling you to do the right thing, right? Is that it passed the first attempt, it doesn't work. So stop asking, it's not gonna really help you out. And then the third one, which is kind of where we almost started with this whole deal is that like, like with a door-to-door, like with a, um, a uh, timeshare type sale, where we've got one opportunity to sell a person, there are techniques that can work there that do not work in other types of sales, right? And so it's important to make that distinction. But basically, what Neil Rackham did is he tested the effect of closing on large and small sales. And he, what he did find is that in small sales, closing gamuts actually do improve sales, about four percent. So it's not a massive amount, but using putting the, re, really cornering the customer and ask them a very direct yes or no type of a question actually improved when the sale was small, uh, uh, improved sales by about. About four percent, okay, but in large sales, he discovered that those closing gamuts actually reduced sales by almost 10 percent, okay? Hmm. And so that's interesting all by itself, but the bigger question in my mind is, well what's the threshold? At what point mm-hmm. does does right does a cell a, a mm-hmm. go from being a small cell to being a big cell? At what point do you know, oh, I better not try the alternate choice closer or it's going to backfire on me, right? What do, you, do you guys want to take a guess? You'll laugh at this.
1: I, I'm guessing it's less than a hundred bucks.
2: Yeah. You go with the same
0: Scott. I, I'm, I'm still stuck on why I love timeshare presentations. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I I would say anything under, well, my wife, we, anything over 20 bucks, we start making a group decision. So I, I'm going to put it at 20 bucks.
2: You are on a tight leash, my friend. That's all I can
0: say. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: It's, it's very close to a hundred bucks. It's a $109. Nice, okay.
0: Mike, look at you go.
2: So, so all I can say is if what you're selling is like 109 bucks or so, now is probably the time to whip out the double reverse close or whatever your favorite <laughs> close is, right? But pretty much everybody I work with in professional selling sells something north of that. And what what the data shows is that, the and, and the farther, by the way, the farther north of that you get, the less effective it is. And I can even tell you, when I was first, um, I'm not sure I even share with you guys how I discovered the perfect close, but I'll just say when I was struggling, uh, I got drafted into sales, did not want to be there, uh, but company circumstances forced me into it. And so I was really struggling. I started analyzing things like I am. I'm an, I'm an analyst type guy. And um, and so I realized I had a, uh, a closing problem because I had a lot of opportunities, but none of them were closing, right? So I have a big bloated pipeline, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So I started reading everything I could read on closing to figure out, all right, well, you know, how do I fix this problem? Right. And, and that's when I learned what I was just sharing with you guys, like 99% of the advice out there is really bad, but, but I didn't know that at the time. Right. And so I literally tried all of these different closes and I could just tell you, man, over and over again, I got killed on these things. And one of them was an alternate choice type of uh, sale where, the customer is already using our software and we wanted to sell them the services to, that would go with that, where we're going to basically do the we'll do the billing mm-hmm. for the customer using the software that is already ours. So honestly, guys, no one's going to know how to use our software better than us, right? So this was a shoe in. This was an easy, should have been a slam dunk, right? So I'm having dinner with this uh, COO and the CEO and, I had all this prepared. I remember being excited about trying this closing technique on him, And so at some point I said, well, you know, which package do you want to go with? You want to go, you know, you know, know, service package A or service package B. And Oh man, it was like the, it was like I had defiled the CEO's food or something because he, (laughs) he pushed back from the table and he goes, if you think that we are going to use your service, just because we use your software, you are dead wrong. And I'm like, what oh, this is not going the way I want it to go, right? <laughs> and, and, and then and then uh, um, he looks at me and he goes, and we are going to look at three other vendors. The way he said three was like spit was coming out of his mouth. And I, I'm like, we're going to look at three other vendors and we're going to pick the best one for us. And um, I'm like, wow, wow. He goes, don't assume that just because we use your software that you're going to get this business. And you know what? He didn't pick our business. He intentionally chose someone else because the fact that I because used Because you didn't
0: them, go to the assumptive close. You should have said, all right, well, then I'm going to put you
2: down for package eggs. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> and well, it's on you. I am <laughs> like, oh, wow. And so the, the aha for me in this moment at a really hard time in my life. I won't lie. It was a really sucky time in my life because I wasn't closing nothing, right? Is um, where we should have had this, I learned. The alternate choice clothes works great if you're trying to sell the, a medium or a large drink, right? Uh, that, that is fine. <laughs> but when, when there's hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line, you cannot use it. People do not want to be manipulated in that way, right? And uh, honestly, the whole conversation was going really great with those guys up until the moment I tried to do that. And then he realized I got a manipulator on my hands right here. Oh, and no. that, that one thing was enough to turn him completely off so I'm not working with a company like that. So that was a tough, tough lesson. Right. And I could, I could go on and for an hour telling you about these crazy, um, you know, there's one out there. There's one close out there called the uh, the sharp angle close. Right. And, and, and the, the the idea here is the customer asks you, Hey, do you, can you do this thing? Right. Do you have this capability or are you able to do this? And what you're supposed to say with the sharp angle close is supposed to say, well, would you buy it if it could? yeah right and so it, <laughs> and, and, and so think about what's happening here right just step back and imagine you're uh, like an alien observing this from another planet like okay this person had an honest question about how you know could uh, can you can you help me do this problem or solve this thing and your answer rather than just say that you can and explain how you do it, what you're, what you're supposed to do is you trap them. You set a trap, right? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question unless you tell me you're going to buy it. Because if you are, then you have to buy, right? And oh my gosh, think how totally dysfunctional this is. And I tried this a number of times. It did not work. Even one time did it work for me. But what it did do is I could see the visible erosion of goodwill on their faces every single time I tried it. I'm like, all right, that doesn't work, right? And I did these guys over and over and over again trying to figure out how to get my pipeline working. So anyway, that was a little a little color to the, yeah, you're welcome to try whatever closing technique you want on a larger, small sale. But what the bigger the sale, the less likely it's going to work. And
0: so I, as we continue the, the, to go through these myths, we're talking about all these different closing techniques. Please, if you haven't picked up his book, The Perfect Close, you need to listen to it. It goes through the best way to do it so as james continues to talk and as my head spins about all these different gambits it it just all goes back in my mind to the perfect close so james sorry sorry to cut you off um
1: so i think the moral of the story the moral of everything that you just explained james i can summarize it by saying don't use a gambit unless you can use supersize (laughs) in the pitch. <laughs> that's right that is the rule right there if you
2: if you can get away with saying super size it's totally okay to use the uh the closing gamut yeah absolutely right do you want a large or a medium drink with that yeah So yeah. basically it. james um, it goes into
0: your point number four though because these as you, they all erode the trust i mean people want this they want this collaborative sales i mean we just had fred copesteak you you had his his book yeah, on yeah. linkedin the other day and it's it's all about working together with people. This partnership to be able to find the best solution.
2: Yep. Yep. And Annie Paul actually just released a brand new book on this. It's called uh, "How to Sell Without Selling Out," which basically speaks to exactly the same thing. Um, which is customers are looking for. In fact, let me just—I uh, don't—I don't remember talking about this on any of the other sessions. Uh, something happens when you meet a person in the first couple seconds. You judge two things, warmth and confidence. This is especially true in selling situations. And the first thing, they do, and all of this happens in seconds, literally, uh, is the warmth is they're trying to judge your intent. What is it? What's this guy trying to do? Is this, this guy trying to help me or hurt me? Okay. And then, typically,
1: don't they have a defensive mechanism already because you have sales in your title? Oh,
2: absolutely. Right. Yeah. In fact, the latest, the latest, uh, there's a, um, a, a jobs poll uh, shows that uh, the, it's called the Edelman Trust Barometer. Okay, And it shows all these different career types and uh, professions and what the trust is of society. And sales as a profession is the second to the lowest one. Only 3% of society thinks you're trustworthy. Okay, that's, so that's you
1: because sh- they watch the movie Glenn Gary Glenn Ross,
2: <laughs> I guess, right? And wait, so
1: wait, so what's the worst one then? If politicians,
2: politicians. <laughs> we,
1: we only
0: beat politicians. <laughs> the, the only thing worse than us, lawyers.
2: Even lawyers are higher than <laughs> us. On the list. That, that's it's right. Horrible. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. It's so yeah, you you nailed it. We're walking in even worse than a normal interaction would be because their assumption is that you are not trustworthy, right? So the first thing they judge, and this again happens in seconds is what's this guy's intentions? Is it good or bad, right? And then second is competence. And that is how how capable is this person of doing whatever it is that they intend, right? If, so if my intentions are good, can they really can they actually help me, right? Or if this person wants to hurt me, can they actually hurt me? Right. That'd be kind of like one of those little teeny dogs where you can tell what their intention is, is to bite you, but they can't do a lot of damage. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, so there's this little matrix. It's a four little grid matrix, but basically when you have high warmth and high competence, people admire you and that's what you're going for. And, but if you got to assume that people think our intentions are flawed from the beginning. And so the mistake, that's why I'm
0: going to tell them, I'm going to tell them when I meet them, I'm more trustworthy than a politician. Yeah,
2: of course that <laughs> works every time. Yeah. yeah. You just tell it, right. What do they say? It, if you can fake sincerity, then you've got it made. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mike James, unfortunately we're going to have to stop this podcast right here. We've covered four deadly sins in sales and we'll catch the next three next time. Once again, thanks so much for joining this week's episode of the selling podcast. We appreciate it. Take a look at what James has going. You can go to www.puremure.com. Take a look in the show notes and also pick up his book. It is fantastic read and it's so beneficial. We'll see y'all next week. We're finishing up this Deadly Sins of Sales.